0: and this is Cooking with Milwaukee Community Leaders. Cooking with Milwaukee Community Leaders is available both in podcasts, wherever you get great podcasts, and on our YouTube channel, Cooking Seekers for Men. So this is Cooking with Milwaukee Community Leaders, and I'm pleased to have as my guest, Gennaro Baez. Hey, Charlie. Good to see you. Pleasure. Thanks Pleasure. for coming this morning. Thank you. Um, so um, Gennaro is the uh, Director of HR Operations, Learning Development, and talent acquisition for Milwaukee County, which is where the city of Milwaukee resides. Um, so we will get to that in just a minute. So a couple of housekeeping items, as you can see, we have a new logo, um, and we give Gennaro a, um, one of our aprons here. So it says down at the bottom, it says trying to make Milwaukee a better place and then cooking with Milwaukee community leaders. So it's awesome. That's for you. Thank you. Um, so we'll, uh, we'll start at the beginning, as we usually do. Um, so you were born in New York. I was. Born and yes. raised. Um, so talk about your, your early years, your growing up years, and um, how that helped set the stage for the person you are today.
1: Absolutely. You know, growing up in New York, it's a, um, kind of equivalent to like Game of Thrones. <laughs> you have a very distinct... Uh, ethnic neighborhoods sure. that uh, you learn so much from. You know, everybody is a New Yorker to their core, but their their ethnicity and their culture it really defines them. Mm-hmm. So when you go down to Mulberry Street and you want a Sfiadel or you know, you want really good Italian food, it's it's there for you. If you want to go to Chinatown, just a a little bit over, you know, you have dim sum and you have it the way it was made back in the old country In all these ethnic enclaves. You have the ability to really travel the world on a plate. Uh-huh. Uh, so I, I yeah, had gotten exposed to that. Uh-huh. And, um, then I had the good fortune of my mother being first a travel agent mm-hmm. and then working for Eastern airlines, you know, may they rest in right. peace. Defunct. Um, but the beautiful thing about that is that you had unlimited flight benefit as an employee. Yeah. You had a fly standby. Mm-hmm. Uh, but first class was really much more of a thing back then. And first class was typically 50% full. Right. So the majority of those travels were sitting in first class. And as a kid, by the time I was in my early 20s, I had been around the world. Oh. Uh, go back to my toddler years, uh, my mom on PBS, loved Graham Kerr, mm-hmm. uh, the Galloping Gourmet, yeah. a British cook, and he dived deep in all these ethnic cuisines, I guess from the empire, the, British, the former British empire. Right. Uh, but here we were, here I was a little kid in the Bronx, uh, tasting uh, different curries and chutneys, uh, based on my mom replicating those recipes. And then you marry that forward to the travel uh, going and eating native cuisines in Southeast Asia, uh, New Zealand, Australia, uh, Greece, mm-hmm. uh, Europe, uh, different countries throughout South America. Just it was just a beautiful experience. And how that shapes me now, uh, was that gave me a very distinct love for
0: experiencing other people's cultures. But that is so true. You the things that you recall from your childhood and your your adolescence stick with you, and you end up wanting to either eat them, replicate them, or you know hope somebody would cook them for you.
1: Absolutely. Okay. And, and actually, what we're cooking today are it's it's a memory from both my parents. Ah. Uh, so the meat the. Uh, breaded steak okay, and uh, my mom would go pick him up after his shift at about 3 30 in the morning uh, he would go to this place that would do a bife empanizado a breaded steak with tostones and a little vinaigrette salad and I lived to get a bite or two out of that um, and then the tomato salad was something that my mom just kind of conjured up one day and it's become a staple throughout generations now, right. uh, where my kids are making it.
0: Uh, it just stuck from that point forward. That's, that's great. That's, so talk a little bit about your education background. Uh, so academically
1: I had started off, uh, in, uh, computer science Uh-huh. Uh, I had literally gotten my first job in IT the Monday after the Friday in graduating high school. I did something really sexy called being an input-output clerk, where I ran reports uh, in the wee hours, off uh-huh. hours. Uh, Using to... punch cards. I had to put a deck of punch cards uh-huh. to run reports. And um, I had to decolate. It's another word that's fallen out of the vocabulary. I had to decollate those reports and distribute them for the executives coming in the next morning. But I progressively worked up through computer operations mm-hmm. and into systems programming while I was pursuing my uh, undergraduate in computer science. Um, I then uh, academically uh, had dropped out because we, you know, found out we were going to be parents Mm -hmm. and I eventually, uh, got back, finished that and finished another degree in organizational management. Mm -hmm. Uh, I've picked up multiple certifications over that course of time.
0: Um, so, um, in the early two thousands, you started working or in the talent acquisition field and had, had a series of jobs and you eventually ended up here. So, so talk about your career progression and how it led you here to Milwaukee.
1: Sure, absolutely. Uh, the majority of my career I spent in the uh, global outsource services business vertical. Mm-hmm. Um, I consulted with organizations like IBM Global and Accenture, um, uh, KPMG, uh, and then professionally, I worked for Siemens, a mm-hmm. uh, German multinational. Sure. Uh, and specifically for the IT software and outsource services company of Siemens. Um, that gave me really an inroad into true talent acquisition. Because when 80, 85% of your staff it, are billable resources. Talent acquisition becomes a profit center. Right. Uh, Because every time that there's a vacancy on a team, let's say, you know, we'd have 5,000 people at Morgan Stanley uh, for one campus location uh, itself, and the client for those vacancies would be able to charge back and and receive a refund for every empty seat. Right. So everybody, uh, all those VPs whose very big bonuses depended on, having uh, a good p and uh, looked at talent acquisition and human resources as a profit center. And that kind of formed my outlook and philosophy uh, towards what I do, is that everything in the organization ties back to how well you recruit, mm-hmm. how well you brand and market that culture. You know, your cultural values get people on board. Because at the end of the day, when... A candidate is looking at a couple of different sources they're gonna they're gonna to want to work for where they feel their values are respected and that right. they're respected so that's a big part of how I see talent acquisition and that's a big part of you know where I and why I came to Milwaukee County the um, opportunity in Milwaukee County when I got recruited into it was to kind of set that standard and put industry best practice in place, right. where your your recruitment, talent acquisition, and your employee development are kind of front and center.
0: All right. So, you're as we mentioned in the in the opening, you're the director of HR operations for Milwaukee County, um, learning development and talent acquisition. So that's all the all ball of wax. So uh, talk about. Um, the the type of work that the things you've instituted the the work that's being done and and how that's not only had a positive effect on the employees in the county but also in the greater um scope of things here in the the milwaukee area
1: oh absolutely when i first came to the county i had a little bit of a culture shock uh, because i had a very well sharpened definition of what a recruiter is Mm -hmm. And recruitment at, at Milwaukee County, or really any public sector entity, wasn't that. Uh, so I set about looking at migrating our recruitment focus from being back off, uh, back office reactionary, uh-huh. kind of that post and pray mentality,
0: to active sourcing to being an active I'm laughing because that's that's exactly what you know what was called for that post and pray help somebody enters the ad.
1: That's I, it. You know. you know, I I remember asking for a metrics report and time to fill was 7 months, 8 months and I was like, and the you know the second thought that came to mind is Nobody's screaming about this, you know, uh, I would have been roasted if, you know, I had a seven month time to fill in my prior life. Um, But we set about reconfiguring the recruiting function into a true talent acquisition function that does broad outreach search, that does sourcing, that does community involvement and participation and actually is physically in the community, Mm -hmm. engaging with people. Um, The L and D function, I switched over to being more organizational development focused where we looked at what we already have. And uh, with the thought in mind that if we maximize our people who've already raised their hand and said, I want to join this mission. If we maximize them and give them the opportunity to learn to get coursework under their belt to teach them how to be managers so that when opportunities open they could just slide into them and coach them and develop them Um, so uh, implemented a pretty robust management development program Mm -hmm. uh, leadership (coughs) excellence programs uh, teaching uh, people to counteract the peter
0: principle so you do a lot of work in the community and uh, mentorship work. So talk a little bit about that. Um, you know, it's an area that is, it goes unmentioned and um, it's, in many ways, it's not appreciated as much, but I know that you're involved with it. So talk a little bit about the work there.
1: Yeah, it's it's a passion of mine. I, I just philosophically have the point of view that if you're blessed with having um a sound you know upbringing and have world exposure you could share that with people in order to get them through rough spots uh, we all suffer from imposter syndrome you know one of the catchphrases mm-hmm. of, of today uh, you know decades ago is just you know uh fake it until you make it right uh, type of thing uh, but now it's a bit more well defined uh, mentoring helps people through those rough patches of self-doubt and uh, for me the organizations that um, I'm on boards with in Milwaukee uh, I see stars which stands for inner city stars mm-hmm. is an intense development technology development boot camp where it takes people primarily from underserved communities around Milwaukee right. and puts them on a path of being a technologist. So people are experiencing life changing growth where they're going from maybe a $15 an hour factory or warehouse job into being, um, $65,000 a year, uh, developer to start. Right. And then progressing up to six figure opportunities. And uh, part of the, that program is very much focused on people developing business acumen and how to interact and speak in a business context. Um, other organizations that I belong to uh, Perscolis, um, formerly DeVry, and an organization called PCH all have those same kind of core components where it's taking people, giving them real upskilling in -hmm. terms of a professional career but also focusing on this is how you you know play nice in the sandbox in the workplace i'm really excited that milwaukee county is um, on the cusp of implementing formal mentoring programs uh, to our workforce Uh, we have things called uh, ergs employee resource groups okay that are going to be spearheading uh, mentoring. Um, also, within L- L&D, we're going to be spearheading uh, a uh, mentoring program that's more tech-focused, meaning that when somebody wants to progress their career, we're going to talk about and define job-shadowing opportunities.
0: Okay. Uh, In the county or?
1: Within the county, okay. uh, where those people are at this for for argument's sake at this tier one uh, support level and they want to get to tier four. You know, we give and set up and teach departments uh, or will be, um, how do you shadow? How do you build right. a shadowing? How do you set time apart where that individual can engage with folks who are doing that job and get that day in the life experience?
0: Well, one thing you, you kind of touched on and I think is is a good thing, Um, I do a lot of work with the MPS here. We do uh, mock interviews with kids. Mm -hmm. And and what's very evident is not only in uh, public schools, but I think all over, the soft skills are not taught. They're not, you know, how to look someone in the eye and shake hands and form a complete sentence when you're talking to somebody. Um, So teaching the soft skills which you were alluded to, you know, how to play nice in the sandbox and that type of thing. They're, they're very important because I don't think they're actually taught in schools. The schools are more like, you know, get them through, get them to the next level. And they're not worried about critical thinking. are not worried about, um, you know, the, the, the skills that are necessary for you to be a success in the workplace. Anyway, so that's enough of my soapbox. Well, I think, I think it all <laughs> fell apart when they stopped teaching cursive. <laughs> oh yeah there's not a kid under 30 who knows what cursive is uh, maybe even under 40 um, <laughs> so um, so you and I had another um, point of intersection is we're both East Coast guys yep. you're New Yorker I'm a DC guy um, and we both lived in the the big city for the majority of our adult lives before mm-hmm. I was in Cincinnati for a while so it's similar but um, you know I've been here about 13 years so talk a little bit about the um not culture shock because that's not really true, but the the difference between living in a large metropolitan area and then uh-huh. moving and assimilating into a mid-sized midwestern city with which does have a lot of stuff, but it ain't new york right right i've I've kind of the the phraseology I coined is Milwaukee's
1: a very suburban city uh-huh. Um, I'm still amazed at the dependence on driving a car versus mass commuting. Uh, When you go to D.C., uh, and I consulted down in Arlington, Virginia, Mm -hmm. uh, right before joining Siemens, and I loved it. I was down in Arlington, Virginia. It it was for a period of time, once a week. And it was so easy for me to go to Penn Station, jump on Amtrak, which station. would leave me down into the metro, you right. know, the first station of the metro right. of, uh, in DC, and really n- never have to come above ground. Right. And I was so surprised at the uh, the cleanliness of the metro stations, coming from <laughs> New York City subways, <laughs> and how there's carpet in the cars. You know that 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 really blew my mind. Uh, but where the uh, kind of culture shock thing for Milwaukee for me was kind of density because mm-hmm. uh, when they brought me out for uh, my interview and we went out to lunch uh, over at Mater's mm-hmm. shout out to Mater's love their uh, liver dumpling soup <laughs> um, not sure I've ever had that uh, it's, 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 it's basically a matzo ball uh-huh. but it's liver and it's uh, one, of my, one of my colleagues recommended it to me, and it's, I've been meaning to go back for that.
0: I'm going to have to check that out. I've never, never thought about that, but it sounds interesting. Okay.
1: And the potato pancakes are served oh, well, with maple syrup. Of course. Which was a first for me as well. Uh, so we went to lunch, and then we drove around, and I distinctly remember it was a Tuesday. Mm-hmm. And we were driving around downtown, and... You didn't stop at a light? I, I <laughs> No said, traffic jams. Is is today a holiday? Is is there a specific Midwestern holiday that's going on today? It's like, no. I'm used to seeing lunchtime in Manhattan right. be crazy with a food truck culture and you know, people running into bodegas for uh ham egg and cheese on a Kaiser. Right. Um <clears throat> those kinds of things. Uh bacon egg and cheese on a Kaiser. Um But that that was kind of the initial shock. And then when we went by the water tower by Mm -hmm. the hospital and went down that hill there, and I remember seeing the gradient color of the lake, much like the Caribbean, and there was some sort of tanker ship. Uh And again, not realizing scale being a New Yorker, I was like, wow, this is an ocean. Right. You know? Uh, And then we drove by the. Volleyball courts with the tiki, yeah, with the tiki bar. Right. I was like, "What is this? (laughs) What 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 is this uh, magic I'm looking at here?"
0: It's Milwaukee. Yeah, yeah. So, you mentioned it a little bit earlier. Um, So, what are we preparing today? So today
1: we are making um, what almost every culture has, which is a cutlet, Uh breaded. Today we're using sirloin. Uh, It's Biste empanizado, which is a breaded steak, uh, and we're doing it with my mom's uh, tomato and scallion salad as a side dish, and some avocado. Uh, This meal is coming together as a ketogenic meal. Right. Uh, For me personally, I've been on the keto diet for a bit of time now, it's uh, 65, 70 pounds are in the rear view mirror. Mm -hmm. and it's an adaptation that's kind of brought back my love of cooking uh, because there are certain tastes that are just (laughs) non-negotiable. And when you go to ketogenics or a paleo diet, uh, you have to make accommodations, and you have to do a bit of mad scientist chemistry to approximate what the regular meal uh, tastes like. This one's pretty successful in the sense of swapping out the high-carbohydrate breading, right. which is typically uh, soda, uh, soda crackers uh, with um, grated cheese and crushed pork rinds.
0: All right, so we've done a little prep work. Um, we're going to come back here, and we're going to marinate the steak. We're going to make our uh, breading, which is pork rinds and cheese. Um, put the salad together, fry the steaks, and then I think we're going to have to eat them. Absolutely. Well, I haven't had breakfast. How about you? Just coffee. All right. So we're going to be having steak for breakfast. All right. Give us a chance to get set up. We'll be right back. All right. Gennaro's got his apron on, this new one, Um, (laughs) Vanna White. So um, we're going to go ahead and start with the marinade here.
1: Yes.
0: And Gennaro, take it away.
1: Yeah. This... uh This has a uh, marinade that has uh, bitter orange in it, but bitter orange is like hen's teeth, you know, outside of very ethnic markets. Right. Uh, And a way to approximate that is to mix uh, some vinegar with some uh, lemon or lime uh, to give you that same sort of effect. Okay. So right now we have about a clove of garlic in there.
0: And you smashed that and
1: mashed it into a paste. I did. I mashed it into a paste. Okay. Uh, we're going to pour some vinegar to get started. Okay. I think that's about an
0: eighth of a cup. Okay. Okay. Your eyes are better than mine because you're much younger. <laughs> <All> <laughs> well, right. Trust me, all that
1: screen time from the pandemic is uh, <laughs> wrecking my eyesight.
0: Alright, so we're going to put in a couple of lemons for lemon juice for the acid.
1: Right, so the, uh, the vinegar and the lemon juice approximating that bitter, bitter orange. Okay. Alright, so we have the vinegar, uh, lemon juice, garlic, we're going to add uh, a little bit of adobo
0: okay.
1: uh, eyeballing, and then what holds it together is the olive oil. Okay. So we're going to put about roughly a quarter cup of olive oil in there.
0: So A quarter cup of olive oil, and we've got roughly the same amount of lemon juice.
1: Yep, the acidics and the olive oil go in 50-50. Uh, about, I'd say about a tablespoon of adobo, okay Just eyeballing with the oregano. Give that a mix.
0: All right, so we're mixing up the marinades so we put the steaks in. So we, we did pound a few out before, but want we want to get them um, nice and tender. So we're gonna pound them down the side. They're cut very thinly. All right, so we're gonna just pound out a, a couple of them. And then put them in the marinade.
1: Yeah, so we have some nice sirloin, cut very thin, just to make them a little bit thinner. And grabbing of
0: the uh, the coating, give it a flip. And we did trim these slightly, but you don't want to take all the marbling out of a of a steak. So we're feeding the crowd today. Janara and I are not going to eat all eight of these. We're going to try. Oh, okay. But well, then then never mind. <laughs> all right. Put these into the, uh, the marinade. And as they sit and get a little flavor, we'll prepare the next part, will be the salad. Now do we put this in the fridge or let them sit out?
1: I typically put them in the fridge for a little while. Okay. And you could do this, you know, four hours ahead or shortly ahead. It's always gonna, it's gonna carry over the flavor. Right. Pretty well, there you go. All
0: right, we'll, we'll put that in the fridge and we'll move on to the salad and be right back. All right, so we moved over here and we're gonna put the salad together.
1: Yeah, so this is a tomato and green onion salad that's actually my mom's invention. So it starts out by uh, taking some garlic and just putting a little bit of a mash on that. Uh, You could do that with a mortar and pestle um, or with your uh, knife blade. Just take a little bit of salt as the uh, grist on there and take your blade and press down and drag. And what that does is it just gives you a nice little garlic paste that's going to mix better in your dressing so you get that flavor uh, throughout every bite.
0: So yeah, that's probably about a clove or so that was we chopped and put the salt in to help make the mash as you're putting on the side of the knife. Yeah, it's going to go in the bowl here We'll make the dressing.
1: Now, to counteract the uh, acidity, it's nice to take some honey. And I did mention that this was a ketogenic diet right. uh, type recipe, but that amount of honey throughout the right. totality of the dish is, is going to be negligible for you.
0: Keto-friendly.
1: Keto, definitely keto-adjacent. At the Adjacent, good word. <laughs> and now uh, putting in the vinegar. As a little trick. I like putting in the vinegar and everything prior to putting in the oil. Uh-huh because it just helps it to mix a little bit better.
0: So the honey, vinegar, and garlic, so far. And then you start putting in your oil. Mm-hmm, Emulsifying the dressing as we put in the, the oil. All
1: right, it needs just a little bit more vinegar.
0: All mm. right.
1: So now I'm just gonna put in, uh, this is roughly about two bunches of chopped scallion or green onion, mm-hmm. and roughly about two tomatoes. On here? I
0: might have put three in. Oh, okay. It's hard to find good tomatoes in Wisconsin in January. I know, I know. they were I got a couple of heirloom tomatoes, which worked just fine. Oh, wow.
1: And I just start mixing this in first to make sure everybody has a, um, a swim buddy, mm-hmm. so to speak, uh, before I put the dressing on there.
0: It's so a pretty simple, pretty basic green onions and tomatoes, and then a pretty simple dressing will go on. Politely dress it?
1: Yeah, and pretty much when uh, all this is, uh, you know, necessity, the mother of invention. Right. When uh, my kids were small growing up, I did 90% of the cooking. So getting a good meal on the table that wasn't prepackaged food uh, was always my goal, and to get it on there quick.
0: And you're singing my song. You learn the shortcuts, learn how to put tasty food on the table, but you know, not break the bank. and Make sure it tastes good, so you can eat it too.
1: That's it, absolutely.
0: So right. we just about the salad just about finished, and we're going to put this in the fridge too. Uh, this I actually like to leave out. Right. right, we'll leave this a little set. Keep it room temperature. Good. Uh,
1: that's a preference for me. I, I know some people are great with cold salads. Mm-hmm. Uh, that always drove me nuts, like going to a steakhouse and having an iceberg wedge with the, you know, Roquefort and blue cheese, right. and it's has ice particles and huh. that's just that's crazy all right so it's all incorporated right. and and this is kind of the level of dressing you want on it because you don't want it just swimming uh, the tomatoes of course are gonna put out a lot of natural juice there you're singing my wife's song so you want to enjoy lightly that dressed you know you want to you want to taste the food that you're making not the absolutely not things
0: that cover it up okay so now we're moving on to the breading yes all right Let us set that up. Be right back. All right. We're going to make the uh, breading or the uh, topping, or whatever we're going to call it, the covering. (laughs) It's not actually bread.
1: It's one of those pleasures of the ketogenic diet for me where it allows me to be kind of a mad scientist again in the kitchen Uh where you're trying to approximate those very carbohydrate-intense items for something that is very low carb, or in this case, zero carbohydrate right. that fits within the ketogenic diet. So we're taking some plain, um, well, queso pork rinds. Um,
0: and just I thought them. that was the brand name, but now that I think about it, now right. it's not. Let's it.
1: Good stuff. And some grated Parmesan cheese. I'm just approximating. And I'm just gonna pulse this till it's nice and fine. There
0: you go, right. snapped into place. Just take a look. Fine right. shot. So we'll set up our breading station, and then we'll get the steaks out, and then we'll be right back. Alright, here we are with the uh, the breading. We've got our pork rind cheese mixture, we've got eggs ready to beat, and there's the thinly sliced bistec uh, ready to roll, So, Genera.
1: Yeah, and, and again, this is a ketogenic version. Uh, if you were doing it with uh, a different breadcrumb, a panko or crushed soda crackers, unsalted soda crackers, you'd have more of your traditional station of flour, egg, breading. But again, keto, you could skip the flour and you're still gonna get a great crispy product out of here. So we're gonna mix up our eggs.
0: Beat them because they've been bad. <laughs> And with the, the um, oil on the meat, you're still going to get a nice uh, coating whether Absolutely. or not you're... Absolutely. So go egg. Into the egg. Both sides. It'll we'll adhere. am going to put
1: this on the coating. Mm-hmm. Get a good press in there. And flip it. Alright. Do the same.
0: And then put it on a got a tray over here. this a little foil. One more into the egg and then into the pork rind cheese coating and then onto the tray. So we'll, we'll put these together and then we'll get ready to fry them. All right, ready to start frying. Here's the uh, breaded steaks. Ooh, nice. You can hear the little sizzle.
1: i no, go quick, so I'll just do two at a time.
0: All right. So, um, how much on each side would you say? I'll just, I, I go by look. So You can see they're starting on the edges, starting to get more done. Okay. And then we've got some accoutrement to go with it. We've got some sliced avocado, got some red onion, and then a little parsley on top to make it look curdy. And it's, uh, frying food is one of those
1: great techniques because it actually talks to you. Uh-huh. You can start to hear when things are getting done on a side just by the sound. Oh,
0: that's looking great. so that that was not more than, much more than a minute, minute and a half. Um, We got the temperature up using an instant read thermometer to 350 plus, and and was trying hard not to toast his fingers on the pan. So because we pounded them and gave them a nice marinade, these things will cook quickly, and I'm sure they'll be delicious. All right, so we'll finish up here, and we'll head over to the table we will be right back. All right, here we are. And I have to tell you, I can't wait to eat this. So, uh, General, tell us what we got here. Uh, so what we have is a
1: uh, ketogenic piste empanizado, a uh, breaded steak with avocado and a scallion and tomato vinaigrette salad. All right, so we need to get
0: a little bit of the salad. Nice, fresh tomatoes, little dressing on it. We'll have the um, recipe down below. Oh, grazie or gracias. It works. I can't stop saying Italian. Look at it. Look at the full plate. It's just, it's just beautiful. It's a very colorful, and flavorful, and soon to be devoured. All righty, this is the sport. All righty. Oh, I'm gonna put just a teeny bit of lime on. I got a little lime. Can't forget the lime on the stick. All righty. Very thin, so they they cook quickly of your mom's salad, this is a perfect salad. This is good, I mean, you can find the tomatoes, this is good any time of the year.
1: And it's one of the things I learned in my mom's kitchen, you get things that play off of each other, the acidity of the salad uh, with the fried meat, uh, really really plays nice. i put a little
0: avocado on this. Wow, this is a hearty breakfast.
1: <laughs> I think if an establishment had this on the breakfast menu, it would change their uh, business model. It all just, it works. It's great. That's been one of one of the um, things again that I've really enjoyed about um, the ketogenic diet. It's it's reawakened my love of cooking uh-huh. because you 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 have to really think outside of the box because uh, who would have thought you crush pork rinds, Right. you know, and you use that as breading because you can't have regular bread, um, and it's really you know. Made me think about the uh, balance of flavors and how they play off of each other and textures. So it's it's been a lot of fun. You know, besides getting healthy, if you have that uh, mad scientist type of thing that you love, Hey, Gennaro, I want to thank you so much for coming by. Thank you so much for having me. Appreciate Charlie. it. I appreciate it's it. It's
0: great, great work being done here in the community. And Jinaras is, is uh, within the division that he runs in for the county government is trying to affect change both inside and in the community at large. So we do appreciate that. So I want to thank everybody for tuning in. Please check us out next time on Milwaukee Community Leaders. Please like and subscribe. we'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to another episode of Cooking with Milwaukee Community Leaders. Cooking with Milwaukee Community Leaders is brought to you by Cooking Secrets for Men, LLC, and was recorded in the Third Ward in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. We feature and profile community leaders who are trying to make Milwaukee a better place. The tagline is Serious people with serious jobs having a little fun. Our guests choose the recipes that we use on the show. All of our podcasts are available on iTunes, Spotify, and wherever you get great podcasts. The original YouTube video for this episode is available on our YouTube channel, Cooking Secrets for Men, All Rights Reserved. Thanks, and see you next time on Cooking with the lucky leaders.